I want to share with you for just a few minutes, and really it's not that long, about Jesus' brilliant invention called the church. We're going to be looking in Romans chapter 12. Before we get there, however, I'd like for us to look at the uh, main idea verse out of James chapter 5. So look to the screen with me, and we'll read, starting with the reference, this text from the Word of God. Here we go. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We really liked that, didn't we? That was a whole lot of fun, a whole lot of goodness and beautifulness and wonderfulness in every imaginable way. When my grandson came into the water in first service, he made it splash, not with his hands, but because he was so excited that he was wiggling. And I said to him, Liam, this is a pretty solemn thing. This is pretty important that you pay attention. He said, I know, Grandpa, but I'm just so excited. Um, how can we get more of those? How can that happen more? Just wanting it and just enjoying it and just wishing it would happen is not going to guarantee that more people come to Christ. What will guarantee that more people come to Christ is when the church lives like the church, this brilliant invention that Jesus called the church. And I want to point out a few verses in Romans chapter 12. I'll start actually at verse 3, and I'm going to read just through verse 5 of Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I didn't ask you to stand, but thank you guys who did. Maybe before I retire, I'll get that figured out. Let's pray for a moment. Thanks for Your Word, Lord. Apply it now to our hearts and our lives in this church, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Be seated. To have the church enjoy the blessings of the church, the church has to be the church that Jesus called it to be. Can I say that again? To have the church enjoy the blessings of the church as Jesus intended to bless the church, the church has to be the church that Jesus called it to be. And the church that Jesus called us to be has a couple of special and wonderfully identifying marks, and our sermons by words tell us what those are. Sermons by words are gospel, Jesus, and community. The church centers around Jesus by the power of the gospel in community. Jesus invented the church, and He gave it two ordinances that we've observed together today. It's rare when this church ever does baptism and communion on the same Sunday. In fact, in 34 and some years, I, I think there's only one other time we've done it. 
But today is an especially appropriate time for us to observe both of these ordinances because it is these ordinances, baptism and communion, that set the church apart from every other organization or group or religion or organization of any kind, social or otherwise, in the whole world. It's these ordinances. And I want to point something out to you of why we call them ordinances here in this church. Ordinance, if you've been on the city council or gone to a county commissioner's meeting or anything like that, you know that an ordinance is just, well, an ordinance is simply an instruction or an order. Um, the county commissioners, the city council, uh, all these kinds of government entities vote on ordinances all the time. And they have the reading of the ordinance number 2019-42. And what's going to happen is they're going to vote on that, and then that's going to take effect. It's going to become an order that the citizens then are charged with obeying. Similarly, Jesus gave a couple of orders that the citizens of His church are charged with obeying, instructions or orders, and we have two. We do not call them sacraments because a sacrament, that word literally means a vessel of grace or a bearer of grace. It's the thing that we would imagine that if we would just take this, it would, it would give us grace. It would make us holy comes from the Latin word sacra, which means holy. And some people believe that if you just take the elements of communion or if you just get in the water, then something magical will happen to you and all your sin will be removed in the water and all of your sin will be removed in communion. And then you can go back out and sin for another week or another month or whatever and then take communion again and get it all removed again. And that's not at all the way the New Testament describes either communion or baptism. Nobody takes communion to get saved, and nobody gets baptized to get saved. People get baptized because they are saved, and people take communion because they are saved. They're symbols of what God does that we can't see. It's a, it's a visual evidence of something that's invisible, a reality that we can't see. Let me give you an example. I'm wearing one right now. It's a visible symbol of an invisible reality. The invisible reality is the commitment that Debbie and I made to each other uh, more than four decades ago. And you can't see that reality all the time. You can't see those commitments. And you've heard me say this before. All you've got to do is look at that ring and you know I'm married. Now, baptism, very similar. Communion, very similar. We watch these people getting baptized and we know that they're making a commitment to the Lord. The commitment they're making to the Lord is an internal one. We can't go inside their spirit and see what they're doing, but we can see the water. Similarly with baptism, that's a commitment to the Lord that you've already made. We can't see that commitment, but we can see the bread and we can see the cup. And beyond that, it shows us what Jesus did. We can't see what Jesus did but we can see the bread and we can see the cup. And so they are ways of reminding us of who we are in relationship to Him and who He is. Let me just remind you where we get these. The water baptism of the regenerate, that is those who have been born again, comes to us by the commandment of the Lord. It's an ordinance. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Matthew 28. He said it. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And the other command he gave the church is the communion of the Lord's Supper. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said to them, it says in Luke chapter 22, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So he commanded it to us. It's an ordinance. But on this day, I want to help you who have seen the baptisms and partaken of the communion to understand what that all means for us as a church and how we're going to enjoy this going forward. We're going to, aren't we? Church, stay together. Church, go forward. A new guy is coming. He'll do things differently, but I promise you, he will not do this any other way. The search committee has been sure to put these boundaries on the search. So you're going to get a pastor who, though he may not say it this way, is going to agree with the Word of God going forward in this. And this is what the church is about. I want you to see it in pictorial form, quickly share it with you so that you can take it out. The thing that sets the church apart from all other organizations is the fact that the church shares the gospel. That's the distinctive of the church. And you know what the gospel is. You've heard me say it. You can recite it. All those questions that were asked over there come out of the gospel presentation that I've shared with you hundreds of times. Three biblical truths. Biblical truth number one, God is holy. Biblical truth number two, people are sinful and therefore separated from God by their sin. Sounds familiar to those questions, doesn't it? Biblical truth number three, only Jesus can solve the problem of sin that leads to our separation from God. Three biblical responses. Listen and see if you can remember what those people were asked in the baptismal waters. A, B, C, do you admit you're a sinner who needs a Savior? What did all seven of those people say? Yes, I admit that. Do you believe Jesus did everything the Father required to save you from your sin? All of them said, yes, I believe that. Commit yourself to Christ. Give Him your life. And that's what the C stands for. All seven of them said, yes, that's my commitment. In one form or another, they said that. That's what makes the church into the church. And if the church loses the gospel, it's not a church. Safeguard the gospel. Safeguard the gospel not only in your ministry, but in everything you do. Safeguard the gospel. And the way you safeguard the gospel is by insisting on staying close together as a community. Gospel plus community is the genius of the church. Other places in the world have community, but they don't have the gospel. Parachurch organizations have the gospel, but they don't have community. Alone in the world does the church stand as the one thing that has the gospel and community. What do I mean by community? By community, I mean what we share together, our relationship with one another. Community is us praying together and worshiping together and fellowshipping together. We had a good deal of community on Friday night, some of us. Some of us have been having community every Sunday night for many years. We call it, interestingly enough, our community group. We need more of those. 
Community takes place in the Sunday school classes here, in the Bible study groups through the week, in the prayer times. And the way that the community maintains its distinctive as a part of the church is by focusing repeatedly and repeatedly on the gospel. Someone said to me a long time ago, can't we go deeper? You just keep focusing us on the gospel over and over again. Can't we get some deeper teaching? And I said, well, not here, because there is no deeper teaching than the gospel, okay? There's nothing higher, nothing wider, nothing better, nothing greater than the fact that the eternal Son of God came to this earth by a miracle of incarnation, lived a perfect life, died for sinners under the wrath of Almighty God, rose by His power on the third day to conquer death and give us life. Nothing is better than that. And there may be various aspects of that that need to be developed and pursued at certain times and eras and particular circumstances in our life, but nothing is ever deeper than the gospel. You never go beyond your need for the gospel. You never outgrow the gospel. We will always be a people, whether we know it or not, who need the gospel all the time, and the community is where we need it. Gospel and community, that's what makes the church. You could look at that another way. The content of what we share is the gospel. That's the content. That's the content of what we ask people to believe in. We don't just ask people if they believe. We ask people if they believe some truths, and those truths are the gospel because we believe that it is those truths that are the power of God to set us free. Jesus Himself said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And the truth of the gospel is the content that the community puts into context. So gospel is applied in a community. That's the content that we establish in the context of relationships. And in the context of relationships, not only do we preach the gospel to ourselves, but we preach it to one another. And so I get to say to Brianne things that apply to the gospel in her life. I get to say to Rob things about the gospel that apply the gospel to his own life. I get to say to Brett in community group, hey, have you thought about it this way? Let's pray through this. What does God have to say about this? That's what it means to be in relationship with one another, to put the gospel not in context so that we water it down, but to put the gospel in context so that we sharpen it up and we drive it deep into one another's lives. That's what community is all about. And I'll tell you, if you keep doing that and if you do it more and if you find more and better ways to take the content that is the gospel and drive it pointedly and deep into the context that is your community of relationships with one another, then you'll have more of this and you get to do more of that and you'll you'll have that joy because the content of the gospel is what brings salvation. These people didn't just believe something out of the thin air. They believed 1, 2, 3, A, B, C. That's the content. Faith must be faith in something. Heaven forbid that we ever allow ourselves simply to have faith in faith. Because faith in faith won't do anything for us. It won't bring salvation for us, and it won't be applied in community, in the context. And the beautiful thing is that when salvation is applied in the context of the community, it brings sanctification. We rub each other well. Do you hear that? 
We rub each other well. We heal each other. We pray for one another so that we may be healed. We encourage one another. We lift one another up. Community is the context in which we bring those who've experienced salvation into sanctification. For example, 1 John 1.7 says, When we're born again, we have fellowship with one another. Listen to this. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. What John is telling us is that when we fellowship with one another, the blood of Christ helps us become better Christians by being Christians with each other. Salvation in community leads to sanctification. And that is why, brothers and sisters, that we have baptism. And that is why, brothers and sisters, we have communion. They all go together. I wonder how many times you've come to this table to receive these elements, and on your way up here, God convicted your heart, and you confessed a sin and ask Jesus, as you're approaching the table, Lord, change me. You remember the last time you did that? I do. It was about 25 minutes ago. Communion is connected to sanctification in the context of community because that's where we apply the content of the gospel for salvation that bears fruit in baptism. Now, what are you going to do about it? It would be very easy for me to get emotional and say, well, it's time for all of us to make brand new commitments to Jesus to be the church that He's called us to be. But you know where the commitments to Jesus to be the church that He's called us to be are going to be made? They're going to be made starting Sunday, October the 20th. Who's going to be here? That's where those commitments are going to bear fruit. So let's go get them, right? I just kind of feel like I want to stand up in front of you guys and say, sick them. You know, just go get them. You're poised. You're, you're positioned. You're strategically uh, prepared in this community. You've given me permission to talk about my successor repeatedly and repeatedly, and I'll get one more chance to do that, and then go get them, okay? And here's what I'd like you to consider saying to the Lord as you prepare to go get them. If there's something in the way in your life this morning, give it away to Jesus. Say to the Lord, turn my heart, O Lord, like rivers of water. Turn my heart, O Lord, by Your hand, till my whole life flows in the river of Your Spirit and my name brings honor to the Lamb. Lord, I surrender to Your work in me. I rest my life within Your loving hand. What do you have to bring to the Lord today in those terms? Stand with me. Let's pray, and then we're going to sing.
Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, so easy standing in this church building to say, I surrender. But when we have the opportunity to talk like a Christian or not, or act like a Christian or not, when we have the opportunity to share the gospel or not, or to bear testimony or not, that's when it's time for that surrender to have meaning. And so, Father, we sing this in anticipation of a hundred more opportunities in which we will get to say, yes, I do surrender, and yes, I will obey you, Lord, because of the power of the gospel. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.